Does foundational Mormon doctrine support incest? We'll talk about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Mormonism has, from its very beginning, presented itself as the only true church on the planet, that they are the only church with God's authority in the priesthood, that they right. only one that has God's authority to make marriages eternal and to bring people into eternal life through their gospel, as they call it. But since the word gospel means good news, and neither Mormonism nor polygamy for salvation is good news, we cannot accept their choice of the word gospel to describe their message. The good news or gospel of the Bible concerns what Jesus Christ has done for us, and that when we simply believe and trust Him alone by faith, believing that He has already paid our sin debt, repenting, which means turn and go God's way instead of your way, then by grace God will give us the irrevocable gift of eternal life. Yep. Now that's good news. No, it truly is. Comparing that with Mormonism's message clearly demonstrates the bad news of all self-righteous religious works to try to be worthy and earn salvation. Now, as we continue to present this program, we discuss many of the odd beliefs that were and are the foundation of the fundamental Mormon faith. The foundation is what determines the validity of the faith. Some people say, don't go back in history like you are, forget it and move forward. But the foundation determines the validity. That's what it's built on. Right. right. The object of our faith determines its value and its authenticity. If the object of your faith is polygamy or Mormonism in any form or modern day prophet, your faith has no value because only Jesus has that value. Jesus explained the very concept when he said a bad root cannot produce good fruit, and by their fruits you shall know them. And we talk about questionable fruit here. <laughs> this time we want to talk about the foundational Mormon doctrine of the pre-existence and how it necessarily produces some real questionable fruit or conclusions. First we want to read an email that we received from a pastor in Sweden. Yeah, this is from April 15th of 2020. Hi, I pastor a church in Sweden. We have a growing number of Mormon missionaries here, and I'd like to educate myself. Thank you for an excellent show. I've been following the show for several years and take a particular interest in the fundamentalist groups. I have a question. I was wondering if you could elaborate on the theology of us all being the real children of Heavenly Father, also on the conception of Jesus. The more I dive into this, the more I see a theology that supports incest. This, of course, is doctrine that is the same regardless of if you are mainstream LDS or fundamentalist. I don't want to get anything wrong, and I was hoping you could do a bit of a deep dive into the subject. Well, that's what we're doing now. We're <laughs> going to deep dive into it. It's a two-part deep dive here. So does Mormonism support incest? Well, now, as an LDS, you would I never would, say I that. I think that, no. Uh, the, now the, and the reasoning behind this email is certainly very valid from the viewpoint of Mormons, yes. Mormonism's idea of the preexistence, that we are all brothers and sisters of the same Father in Heaven, yeah, uh, maybe true. a different mother, um, yeah. but, but it's a, still a good question. Mm -hmm. And we do realize that an LDS person, or even the Church itself, would never verbally express that their support for incest, and we're not saying that at all. 
But their doctrine, as they go back into eternity past, definitely supports and includes incest, both in what they call the spirit, spirit world and then also in this mortal world. A faithful LDS person probably would not condone incest, but a polygamist would if it was commanded by God. Wow. But God would never command it, of course, but according to them, he would and has. We're going to the very foundation of Mormonism as we take this deep dive. <laughs> it's beginning of and the forming of its doctrines. The teachers and preachers and presidents and apostles and those who taught or teach the Mormons to believe what they believe. Brigham Young said he never preached a sermon that couldn't be considered scripture. And all Mormon presidents and spiritual leaders have promised they cannot and will not lead the people astray. The polygamous leaders teach precisely the same thing to their polygamous members. So when we present these quotes, remember, they were from the leaders who claimed they preached as though they were the very mouthpiece of God. Now, we know the present-day LDS do not believe in the Adam-God doctrine that Brigham Young taught. Most polygamists, however, do believe it. Wow. We'll bring this together in a moment, but first we want to quote a concern from social media. The Mormon <clears throat> Heavenly Father has a body of flesh and bone. Their doctrine says he begot their Jesus in the normal way as any man would. Isn't the seed of a man a blood product, yet their Heavenly Father has no blood? Good question. Good question, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Thoughtful one. Yeah, we're going to address that a little bit later, too, in this deep dive. If God, who has no blood, was the literal father of Jesus, why did Jesus have blood? Mm. And to go a step further with this, if God, who is our heavenly father or our father in heaven, and who begat all humans by sexual relations with mothers in heaven, then God, who had sex with Mary to produce Jesus, committed incest. And Jesus Christ would have been a child of incest. Yet God has prohibited a father to have sex with his daughter. How can all this be possible? In the Mormon belief system, it's doctrine. In fact, to bring Mormon doctrine full circle on this topic in our human marriage relationships, are we not all marrying our own brothers and sisters according to the pre-existent doctrine of Mormonism? That's true. And Brigham himself taught that Mormons marrying siblings and other close relatives was a normal thing to do. We quote from volume three of the teachings of President Brigham Young. Then I reckon that the children of Adam and Eve married each other. This is speaking to the point. I believe in sisters marrying brothers and brothers having their sisters for wives. Why? Because we cannot do otherwise. There are none others for me to marry but my sisters. Our spirits are all brothers and sisters, and so are bodies. And the opposite idea to this has resulted from the ignorant and foolish traditions of the nations of the earth. <laughs> Everybody but him is what, foolish and what ignorant. logic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he understood it. He got it. That's yeah. exactly what he was talking about. The question of the pre-existence necessarily includes sibling marriages. He even extended it to include this body here in our mortality. Yeah. So we're not too far afield here as we dig into the meaning and ramifications of the illogical and false idea of the preexistence of humanity. Brigham Young continues. In our marriage relations here, we are marrying our brothers and our sisters. As to a man having more wives than one, this is startling indeed to the traditions of the people. Now notice how he ties these two yes. ideas together so closely, incest and polygamy. Yeah. He calls them startling ideas. 
Now, the, the early Mormons seemed to purposely preach some very unorthodox ideas to unravel traditional morality and to shock the non-Mormons. And it's, it's, it's amazing the exceedingly numerous teachings and sermons of the early Mormon men that demonstrate that they had an inordinate fixation on sexuality. If you open up the Journal of Discourses and read some of their sermons, <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of sexuality going on there. Mormon polygamy in the early 1900s was turned by someone who called it sanctified lust. Jesus said the root produces the fruit, and the fruit in Utah is a high number of sexual crimes, pornography, especially by those in the Mormon faith. The root produces the fruit, and inordinate fixation on sexuality. Hmm. Now there's a paper entitled Ultimate Taboos, Incest and Mormon Polygamy, written by Jesse L. Embry and produced in the Journal of Mormon History, Volume 18, number 1, pages 93-113, and the link is on the screen. Um, and we are going to be quoting um, yeah. from this quite extensively. It discusses Mormon sexuality and polygamy, in particular incest, also in their marriage practices. We're going to quote from this, uh, from what people observed in the early Mormon days of their incest. Yeah, and this found on page 94. Harriet Beecher Stowe denounced polygamy as a slavery which debases and degrades womanhood, motherhood, and family. It was perhaps <laughs> inevitable that 19th century attacks on polygamy as a debased and debasing sexual practice became linked with the ultimate taboo of incest. And we're going to show how that is true as we go forward with this. And polygamy, of course, is slavery. Women enslaved to men, children enslaved to unnatural family conditions, all in the name of God. Yet God came out against both slavery and polygamy, and he certainly is against incest. Some marriages in Genesis were with relatives. But as the depravity of sin became worse and worse in humanity and genetic mutation would take place in close marriages, sure. were more likely to develop. So God prohibited incestuous marriages when he gave the law of Moses. Chapter 18 in Leviticus forbids incest. And no exceptions are given for Mormon polygamists. That would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Chapter 18 of Leviticus. People say the government has no right to legislate marriage or bedroom activities. But when people introduce marriage practices that are damaging to others, uh, namely women and children, someone needs to step in and bring some sanity and safety to it. And God stepped in and prohibited for the ancient Israelites many of the marriage and sexual practices that the peoples around them were doing at that time. You can read about it, like I said, in Leviticus chapter 18. You can also read about some of it in Leviticus chapter 20, and there's other places through Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy that mentions these things. The next point is very important. The Mormons, from their beginnings, have claimed to be the extension of old Israel, right? Yes. They're the new kingdom of God on earth. Yeah. They're the, they're the latter-day people of God. Uh, hence Latter-day Saints. Right. Joseph Smith claimed to be from the Israel tribe of Ephraim, and they have willingly, the Mormons, willingly placed themselves under the Old Testament laws that were given to the Old Testament Israelites. 
They claim you have to obey those laws, right? Well, the commandments of God. Right, yeah. the commandments, which includes Leviticus 18 and God's ban on many forms of incestuous marriage that early Mormons and today's polygamists indulge. I don't understand it. They <laughs> place themselves under the law and then they don't obey it. And they don't obey it. And anyway. These are found in Leviticus 18, 6. No one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. I am the Lord. And Leviticus 18, 9, do not have sexual relations with your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was born in the same home or elsewhere. And Leviticus 18, 10 through 12, do not have sexual relations with your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, that would dishonor you. Do not have sexual relations with the daughter of your father's wife. Born to your father, she is your sister. And do not have sexual relations with your father's sister. She is your father's close relative. So, and there's others throughout yeah. this, but, uh, but I, I quoted the ones that most closely resemble what's going on either in the, today's polygamy groups or early Mormon practice. Yeah. Now, like I said, the Mormon faith has placed itself under the law of Moses. Now, to be clear, the New Testament says we're not under law but we're under grace but the mormons insist in being under the law and those prohibitions are part of the law but the polygamists ignore them and just like civil law today and biblical religious law they ignore and disobey whatever they disagree with now let's look at incest webster's ninth new collegiate dictionary defines incest like this sexual intercourse between persons so closely related that they are forbidden by law to marry okay so that's the, that's incest, the definition, definition of, of, incest. of incest now the early american culture wanted nothing to do with the new mormon faith that joseph smith brought out and some of the reasons were because they claimed everyone who wasn't a mormon was their enemy they claimed that jesus and satan are brothers in other words they took away jesus's rightful claim that he is god they claimed that polygamy was a law of God, and they were rightly afraid that the Mormons would come and steal their daughters for plural wives. And the Mormons taught and believed that everyone except themselves were Gentiles and had no favor with God. Now, that's just a few of the reasons yeah. um, that, they, that Americans feared the early Mormons. Federal and local governments fought against the marriage practices of Joseph Smith's polygamous Mormonism. And we quote from Embry's paper. The 1887 Edmonds-Tucker Act not only included restrictions on polygamy, but also included the first definition of incest which applied to the Utah Territory. This law forbade marriage, cohabitation, or sexual intercourse with another person within and not including the fourth degree of consanguinity. I think I got that right. In 1892, the Utah Territorial Legislature passed a law which essentially duplicated the congressional prohibition against polygamy, including its definition of incest. This statute remained the law in Utah until 1907 when the code was revised to include the fourth degree of consanguinity because polygamy was in itself a form of prohibited marriage its association with incest doubled the shock and, hence, the repugnance of people in the larger culture toward it. And this kind of helps people see why the Mormons were feared yeah. in the early... Well, and they did go after the women that they've lived near, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that mm -hmm. was the they fertile did. field <laughs> Yeah. to Absolutely. go after those young And when God said, you know, they always use this, God said or you'll be destroyed. 
Now, we need to remind our viewers that the law has no teeth unless it's enforced, right? Yeah, we see sure. that every day in today's culture. But also remember that Mormon polygamists habitually thumbed their noses at any law they disagreed with. They were secretive about their polygamy. They lied about it, and they claimed their criminal behavior was a command from God himself. Embry writes this. J.H. Beadle grandly claimed that Mormon marriages of near relatives is so common that to remark on it would be itself remarkable. <laughs> okay, that might be something that the Mormons may not realize, yeah. that in the early days there was so much incest. Evidently, in its early days, incest was so commonplace in Mormon culture that even pointed out was mundane, yeah, according no, to what they I said. I had no idea that was part of it. Now, of course, this was all in the name of practicing plural marriage. Don't forget that. However, later on, we're going to look at its roots. In 1953, sociologist Kimball Young said this. Sociologist Kimball Young, analyzing the phenomenon in 1953, hypothesized these 19th century alleged incestuous matings probably serve to induce hostility, fear, and a determination to uproot this system as much as any single item in the long repertoire of alleged Mormon crimes and vices. So here he is, and he's a relative of Brigham Young. Yeah. Here he is admitting that incest was, was something that the people feared. Um, yeah. Now, the Edmonds-Tucker Act determined the three degrees of consanguinity are. Perhaps some of our viewers are unaware of what consanguinity refers to, so we'll let you know. <laughs> Number one, a relationship by descent from a common ancestor, kinship, two, close relationship or connection. Okay, so that's what consanguinity means when right. we use these words. The three degrees of kinship forbidden by the Edmonds-Tucker Act include these relationships. Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, brothers and sisters, nephews and nieces, uncles and aunts, the relation of first cousins represents the fourth degree of consanguinity and was allowed by Utah law. Okay, so it was allowed. So we, I don't think it is now, but it, evidently it was at that time. Yeah. But so we have children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, brothers and sisters, and and polygamy groups are doing brothers do and sisters and nephews and nieces and uncles and yeah, it's, it's part of what. And they what do. is the rationale for that? Just. Well, of convenience and they just do it? Well, <clears throat> one of the reasons that they don't talk about is that they're running out of people to marry. Not bringing enough they're new a closed people system. in. Okay. But the Kingston said they had to create a pure bloodline, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later. <laughs> and to do that, they had to intermarry. Yeah. Now, early Mormon polygamous history records incest of men marrying their own relatives or wives' relatives, and most frequently, of course, it would be the sisters of, of a wife. Uh, and, but they were all prohibited in the law given to Moses, the same law under which authority they've placed themselves under. <laughs> but ignore. Now, in all the polygamy groups, a man will take his wife's sisters as plural wives. And Joseph Smith did the same thing. He took five sets of sisters and a mother and daughter pair. God forbade such things. Yeah, that's in Leviticus 18, 17, and 18. Do not have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter. Do not have sexual relations with either her son's daughter 
or her daughter's daughter. They are her close relatives. That is wickedness. Do not take your wife's sister as a rival wife and have sexual relations with her while your wife is living. Now that's prohibited. And we're going to see later in part two of this where the early Mormons actually married mothers and daughters. Joseph Smith did. Yeah. And, and so did some of these early men, and I know some in some polygamy groups, it's, it's not normal, but it happens. It happens. Another quote from Embry's paper. Four of the 15 19th century sources claim that a man married a grandmother, mother, and daughter, and nine listed men who married a widow and one or more of her daughters. Anne Eliza Young, Brigham Young's 19th wife, claimed, The marriage of mother and daughter to one man was of so common an occurrence that it ceased to be regarded as anything out of the ordinary course of events. (laughs) Just a normal way to go. Now, Anne Eliza Young, and she was there, she ought to know. But she describes the appalling marriage of a Mr. MacDonald who married a woman with the understanding that her two young daughters would also be married to him as soon as they were old enough. And the two little girls knew that they were going to marry their stepfather. When they grew up, they would often hear, people would hear them talk about when they were going to grow up and marry Pa. Oh, dear. How would you feel knowing that your two little girls were going to grow up to become your sister wives and marriage to your own husband? Jenny Anderson Froyseth wrote this in an anti-polygamy standard newspaper. There are cases well known in the annals of polygamy where three generations of women have been married to one man. Three generations. On pages 103 through 108 of the paper we're quoting from, uh, Embry documents numerous incestuous marriages of the pioneer Mormon polygamists with all the footnotes for you to research for yourself. Most societies and cultures see sibling incest as repugnant. And even ancient cultures prohibit the inbreeding of brothers and sisters. However, the Mormons did it, and the polygamists still do. In fact, George D. Watt, and he might be a familiar name to Mormons who are familiar with some of the history. He was Brigham Young's secretary. He married his own half-sister, Jane Brown. Now, Watt had asked Brigham Young to give his permission for the marriage. It's not recorded if he did or didn't give it. (laughs) But he either gave it or they got married or they, or they got married without his permission because yeah. they did get married. Embry writes this on page 105. Beadle claimed that a prominent Mormon, Victor Cran, told him, As it was with Abel and Abraham, so it will be again. The day will soon come when brothers and sisters will marry. Shouldn't I prefer my own blood to any other? Don't I love my own blood best? Isn't that gross? It is. This is a narcissistic idea of pre- preferring marriage to their own relatives yeah. is precisely what the Kingston brothers have perpetrated mm. on the members of the Kingston crime family polygamy group. We quote again from page 108 of Embry's paper. Anne Eliza Young stated that a Bishop Johnson of Springville had married six nieces Two, she said, were promised to the bishop as wives when they were born and were married at age 13. According to family group records in a local history, Aaron Johnson, the first judge in Utah County, Springville's first postmaster and bishop of Springville, Springville Ward for 20 years until his death in 1877, had 12 wives, 
five of whom had Johnson as their maiden surname. Three were the daughters of Johnson's brother Lorenzo and his first wife, Mary Lyman. The nieces were each 15 years old when they married their uncle, who was in his 40s and eventually 50s. Mm, my goodness. Now, I know for a fact in the Kingston group, some of the niece and uncle marriages, their babies are born with some problems. Oh, boy. Now, Mormon history is not the squeaky clean righteous religion with holy foundational doctrines that the LDS Church would have us believe. Yes, there are problems in all religions. We recognize that. Churches have problems. Institutions do because they are all populated by error-filled humans. But why not own them? Why not admit it and then turn to truthful behavior and practices rather than covering it all up with constant improvised and then revised deceit? There's more to discuss about this incest in Mormon doctrine and behavior. And so we have a part two that we are going to be uh, talking about more of it and how the prophets were involved and other things. So and how some of the polygamy groups are. So be sure and watch us next time as we do part two. What I think is most interesting, and I guess it's just my view of things in, in human nature. But when we talk about this uh, um thinking always about sexuality. Uh, it's just human nature to do that. If you're shopping for another conquest mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. see a 13 or 14 year old, you're going to make whatever deals you want, but, but sex is on your mind. That goes That's on in polygamy groups purpose. all the time and it obviously did in early Mormonism. Yeah. It's a big deal. And, uh, and to, not, um, to not think that they were holy men, yeah. but they were just lustful guys right. looking right. for it. And the Bible says that we are not supposed to indulge in the lusts of the flesh, and they yeah. did. They did. Well, and it, you couldn't help it being a, a good normal human. I mean, I, I just... Well, you, there's certain, there's, you, yeah, there's, there's healthy and natural um, feelings in that well, regard, sure, but, yes, but they had an inordinate right. um, attention and to just, sexuality. And it was just part of their culture. I mean, yeah, it, was, it, it was, was what was on their mind. And exactly. to have 54 wives or 30 or 40 wives, is you can't avoid it. So. Yeah, you couldn't avoid it. That would no. be, that's your life. Yeah. That's your life. Thank you, Earl. We're going to meet again for part two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when Mormonism places themselves under law to work works for eternal life, they are actually placing themselves in a no-win dilemma. The only way good works could save anyone is if you never failed to do anything you should do ever. That you always did everything perfect and never had any did anything wrong, not even a thought that was wrong. James tells us that failing at only one point of the law is equal to breaking the entire law, meaning you're doomed and there's no way to fix it. Mormonism needs to learn more about biblical grace, what it really means and why, if anyone can be saved, it must be by grace alone or no one would ever gain eternal life. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.